Hi, welcome to Your Grit Story, where we chat with entrepreneurs, innovators, and leaders who live by passion and perseverance to make the future a reality. Let's be inspired by the stories as you create Your Grit Story. A very warm welcome to Your Grit Story podcast. We are on our second episode of the Parenting Series where we learn from parents about tips and advice around mothering and fathering. Today, our guest is Adriana, who is a leader in the world of retail, and she is the co-founder of Moms for Life. I'm going to take a very quick pause and welcome our guest. Welcome to the show, Adriana. Hello, good morning. Hi, hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, thank you for taking time to, to join me in the show. Uh, I'm very excited because of uh, two reasons. First reason is that I'm very curious to learn about your journey as a parent of four kids. Uh, I'm a parent of two myself and I feel like dying sometimes, but <laughs> it will be very interesting to hear your journey and learnings and also how Moms for Life can be a support to mommy listeners on our podcast. And the second reason is that in our next episode, we will have Brian Tan, who is your hubby on our show, to share some fathering tips and his journey of Dads for Life. So to start with, uh, we would like to, to have you introduce yourself and share about your family and our listeners, our audience can get to know you better. On to you, Adriana. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for having me. Yes, so I'm Adriana. Um, I'm married to Brian and I have four kids. My kids, 12, 8, 6 and a recent one turned one year old. I'm also the founder and CEO of Avery Private Limited, which I set up in 2008. We distribute and retail fashion brands across department stores, hotels. My heart was actually to use that platform to hire groups of people who may otherwise not be able to find a job from 9 to 5 as easily. So we take a special focus on um, single moms, divorced moms, uh, youth at risk, uh, among um, those that are also not marginalized. And recently, we've also operated the National Gallery Store at the National Gallery. So that actually brings my dream of having designers, artists, and the marginalized create a new type of souvenir and a new type of heritage for Singapore. That's what we do. Nice. Thank you for the introduction. It's very cool because last week, I interviewed a founder of uh, Mama on Palette who is also looking at mothers with artists. Oh. And uh, she's also running galleries uh, at the library. If I'm not. Yeah, so really cool. So actually, two of you really are basically anchoring the whole uh, Mother's Day episode and series over here. Share with us more about your family and your kids. How are they? How do you describe with them about what you do? I bring them to work. So that's the fastest way for them to know what I do. Before the pandemic, my first child, who is now 12, followed me everywhere when he was a baby until he went into kindergarten. So I used to work in Hong Kong. I was a merchandiser for a number of airline catalogs. I would fly to Hong Kong, I would fly to Philippines, I would fly back to Singapore. So he followed me on that route for the first two years of his life. And he would basically spend his life in a hotel. I would walk, then I would meet him at the end of my day and we'll go shopping. So he would spend two weeks like that in Hong Kong and then we would spend two weeks back in Singapore and then fly up, fly down or he'll go to Philippines with me. So he was very well acquainted with all my business stakeholders, partners, vendors. They all knew him. He was like this little chaperone that came with me everywhere. And I think he actually enjoyed it. He's now a very sociable boy. I think because of of the way he's been brought up. Yeah, and so number two started the same until my husband told me that I should stop jet-setting with the kids and this is not their real life. So then he told me to put them in normal kindergarten, nursery. So they went in there, but on times where I had to go off for maybe one, two weeks, they would follow me. So they would just 
leave school and they would follow me because he can't look after them full time in the day. They spend their childhood like that. When my third one came, he said, I think it's enough already. And by then, my first went to primary school. This rhythm sort of stopped. And then the pandemic came and then no one follows me anywhere. But recently, they followed me to the local stores. So they come on ends just to see what I do. Hopefully, understand it's a little bit not so easy to earn money, right? And there are many people we have to deal with and it's hard work. They get introduced that way. I, I think they actually like it. They have conversations and they talk about it. My first one is getting a bit savvier. Now he's trying to tell me that these kind of things are not so good to do. Some things are easier to do. Some things are risky to do. So I realized while following me, he's picking up things that I would have never spoken about when I was 11 or 12. I suppose he's 11 years old on Python School this year? He's going 12. He's going to turn 12 in August. He's the PSLE year. So I'm also a first-time PSLE mother. <laughs> first-time PSLE mother. I'm a first-time P1 uh, dad next year and it's really anxious on my side and my my wife as well. And yeah, and speaking of your, your son who is 11 or 12, right? So he has been following you to these trips. You definitely as a founder, you have been negotiating with partners, vendor suppliers. Do you think this upbringing of following a founder entrepreneurs, do you think that he will be an entrepreneur in say 20 years, 20, maybe 15, 20 years time? No, I also do acknowledge that they have their own destinies that they are born for, and I shouldn't impose this, because I also have my team, right? My team can take over one day. I did actually ask if any of them was interested. So I've been asking, and no one says they're interested. So okay lah. Them as in, we are asking 11-year-old? My kids, yeah, three kids. Even my, even my, my five-year-old. So I sometimes over the dinner table, I ask them, you know, just to see if there's any inclination. But they don't seem to have any inclination. Uh, and then again, of course, I know if they have particular destinies that they were born for, I will accede to that because I think them living their purpose and, and what they were born on this earth for is more important than taking over anything. It's very funny because uh, one wanted to be a doctor, one wanted to be an engineer, and one wanted to be a chef. But funnily, in the last one year, my oldest, who has been also hanging out, he always told me he didn't want to be an entrepreneur. But in the last half year, he actually told me, I want to learn. And he says, maybe one day I want to do this. So I wonder what shifted. Maybe it could be that transition going to teenagehood. Maybe it's also what he saw. I haven't asked him, but you can ask him one day. Also saying like, I want to see what you do. So I, had, I, was, I participated in the boutiques fair two weekends ago at the F1 pit. And he asked me if he could come to see. So I said, it's going to be boring. You know, it's nine to six. You're just going to see crowds of people. Are you very sure you want to sit there on a Sunday? And so he said, I want to see what you do. I want to learn. And then he said, maybe one day I'll be doing it. And I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. That's new. So I just let them evolve. You know, if they have interest, I bring them along. If they don't have interest, then you do other things. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So question to you is what is the emotion in your heart when he says that one day i might be the one doing it i feel secretly proud i don't tell them but when they hear this they'll know but i feel secretly proud that someone's taking that path of the unknown it's a very raw path where you cannot really predict everything it takes courage it takes perseverance it takes a lot of mental grit and it's one of those journeys where in your i mean you would know as well because you run a company there are days where it's just not good. There are days where you are trying to figure out problems in the middle of the night and your whole family is sleeping. You know, it takes all that to continue making it happen. So I was proud of the fact, not because he chose to be an entrepreneur, but I was proud of the fact that maybe he was willing to 
just take that journey where human growth was infinitely possible. That was what I was proud of. And I also, because he's very creative, he's a very creative problem solver. And I thought it would actually be a good fit. But having said that, you know, if he wants to be, he initially wanted to be an astronaut. So let's see where it goes in a couple (laughs) of years. Yeah. Got it, got it. Wow, it's definitely very different astronaut and entrepreneur, right? It's definitely very different. But they still jump into the unknown, like, I guess that's yes. a similarity. That's true, into the space, right? In the astronaut or into the world of uh, business or connecting the dots. And you're right, I think founding a company, running a company is a lot of ups and downs, like a roller coaster ride. And if my kid wants to start something and go out of the comfort zone to do something out of norm, I think that is, there's a little bit of proudness, right? Or we are proud of our kids stepping out to do something different. And you're right, a lot of grit, a lot of passion and perseverance running a company. Same goes to being a parent of four kids. So taking care of four kids is really a fit. I would like to like you to have, uh, share with us, did you plan to have four kids? Yes. Or more? <laughs> or more, that's a question mark. Plan for every kid. My first kid came because I saw my nephew and he was really cute. And I thought, initially, Brian and I didn't want kids. We were quite happy before marriage that we agreed like no kids ah uh, don't pressure don't pressure me to have kids so we were actually happy without thinking of kids yeah about kids and then I saw my nephew and I thought they're quite cute you know like quite endearing and then I felt that I wanted a kid so I had my first and then comes that whole dilemma right because you're a working mom and you have your career and everything something has to give lah there's never you can have everything I believe so I decided I was going to pursue my life in Hong Kong because I liked the regional job. It was very different. And I said, if I don't do it now, when, like worse, if you have four kids, how are you ever going to have a regional job? So then I said, no, 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 I'm going to do this for myself so that I won't have regrets. And then I postponed my second kid to four years later. But I, I can say now on hindsight, the old folks are right. Lah. You should have it fast, furious, and when you're younger. Really, I concentrate on that. Then I tried for my third kid. So I had two boys. Then I say, Hiya, how come got no girl? Yeah, so you must try for a girl too. <laughs> then my wife. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I, I mean, fashion and all that, right? And, and it's like, you see all these girls in nice dresses, all these outfits. And then, unfortunately, boys always wear t-shirt and pants, shorts and collar shirt. You don't very veer away from much, you know? Then I say, yeah, it'd be nice to have a girl. So I say, okay, la, let's just try a third one and see if we get a girl. Thank God we had a girl. And so I was happy and I thought, okay, I'm done. You know, I have two boys and a girl. It's enough. And then something shifted because when I had three kids, I wasn't really into being a mom. I mean, I'm a mom, mom. I just, I feed my kids breakfast. I bring them to school. I pick them up. I shower them. I make sure they have dinner. I ask them how's their day. Do the typical mom things, lah, put them to bed, blah, blah, blah. I figured I'm a mom, mom. I do my mom. I check the boxes. I did all my mom duties. I love my kids. I don't abuse them, right? That's mom. And then one day, my husband sent me to this thing called mother school. And he went to father school. And I saw the huge change in his life. Suddenly, he wanted to be an active father. Suddenly, he wanted to be more present in his kid's life. Suddenly, he started to become a more attentive husband, you know, the stuff that wife love, wives love. And I said like, what on earth happened to this man? And then he just basically become a lot, became a lot more invested, which, which gave me a surprise. And I said, whatever this father school is doing, right, he's doing some good. So then I agreed to go to mother school. Lah. So I went to mother school 
and it was four days, I had a shock of my life because they were just talking about the role of a mom in a way that I never heard. We all come from very different diverse families and every family has a very different narrative and different heritage and different upbringing, different past, different baggage, different history. And they talked about how a mother was very nurturing and very warm and how she was that sunshine of the house. And I thought like, you must be kidding me because, you know, for me, that was unimaginable. I always imagine the Singaporean mom usually already tired, stressed out, burned out, too many kids, enough to handle, and we're all tired. If we got rest, we're just fortunate, you know, that kind of a mom. But I saw other moms who were like that, and I said like, is this Disneyland? Is this like reality or what, you know? And so the first two days... I wasn't very receptive. I was probably the worst student in class with the worst attitude problem. Really terrible. You can ask them also. And then on the third day, right, when they talked about it, I could feel my heart shifting. I said, how come I'm not that that kind of a mom that they described? And I thought, is this too traditional archaic? But something shifted on the third afternoon. I realized, to my horror, that I was being this crazy overachiever perfectionist mother. I just wanted to top, out-top, out-achieve. Um, I was on a drive that that I thought was great. I thought it was called achievement. I thought it was called drive, right? Like work excellence, passion. And I guess there's a fine line differentiating that. So I was really on a drive to prove that I was something, to prove that I was good, to prove that I was capable, to prove that I was good enough. And I realized I went on this overdrive with myself, with my family, with my kids. And it was just to my own horror that I realized it. Actually, no one even spoke it to me. I just had this silent realization. And then to my horror, I realized that the monster I was fighting was myself. It was quite a huge revelation in my life that afternoon. And then I said, oh no, what have I become, right? What have I subjected my kids to? Because at that point, my, my oldest was also in the gifted young musicians program in Singapore. And I put him there without audition and he was like 30 kids who made it out of like 100 plus. So I said, okay lah, gifted, right? Go do it. And he really didn't like it. But I said, never mind, you pass audition means you're gifted. Just go do it. And he hated it and he cried when he played piano. And I said, never, never mind, it's good for you because you know there's that route where you can go DSA, you want your kid to be in DSA, just go and do it. Then you have extra options in life. That whole narrative was me. And then the irony was on that third day, I was supposed to pick up my kid from piano lesson at 2.30. And I ended at two and I was rushing there in a cab. Uh, but Brian said, you're not going to make it. I'll pick up the, the son first. So he was actually already picking up my son. And when I texted him and I said, guess what? You know, I had a major revelation in my life. And he said, oh, God is good. Like you finally saw yourself. He said, wow, like it took me years to even try to tell you that. I said, okay, la, okay. La. Next moment, uh, my taxi crashed into another car and I had an accident. And I said, Are you, what's happening to my life? You know, it's like no drama. And then I was stranded in the middle of the road because the taxi drivers were arguing and I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere. They were just arguing with each other and I got my husband to come and pick me up. So that night, I couldn't sleep and I said, what if all mothers um, experienced this, right? And had that revelation that actually we could be who we are. You know, there are certain things in our past that affect the way we end up finally and it also affects our motherhood and parenthood journey and the way we mother our kids, the way we have that perspective. Um, and what we really want to do with ourselves. Where, where do we cut off the past and where do we embrace real motherhood and, and just being happy, um, being a mom and a wife and, and, and a daughter to our parents and even being a woman in that sense. 
So that night I couldn't sleep and the next day, so this is actually a Korean run. They, they had it in Korean and I was on trans, translator and can you believe amidst all the shh, that way kind of interruption. White noise. Kind of actually, yeah, I could actually get all that translation. I'm sure I took only 50%. And so I decided that I was going to run the English version for Singapore. The next day I told the organizer, uh, we're going to run this in Singapore and that started off. And from there, I think after two years, Moms for Life came to birth where we just want to celebrate mom. We don't want to do mother causes to tell mothers how to be better. Um, I think we have enough of that. Mothers always feeling that I'm never good enough already and I think that's enough. So we just want to celebrate that narrative that we are good enough. We can be who we are. Actually, our heart holds the key. If we love our kids, we love ourselves, that is enough of a foundation to move forward rather than finding out all the how to be a better mom, how to help my kids sleep better, how to help my kids study better. We just want to celebrate mom for mom. Wow. So much to unpack, uh, Adriana. So that is the story of the origins, right? Or the genesis of Months for Life, right? From Ryan going to the father's school, right? And then you see the change in him being more nurturing as a dad. And then you going for a mother's school where there's a translator from Korean language and you're on this earpiece listening to the lessons and then taking a taxi to a car accident and you can't, you can't sleep that night to where you are now today, right? Running Moms for Life, aspiring entrepreneur, uh, running your retail company. Wow, so much to unpack. It's, it's like worth, I don't know, X more episodes, man. Like <laughs> this, this thing. So taking care of kids as a parent, right? I really love what you mentioned about being a sunshine over the household, being a nurturing mom. And I believe you have a few principles, right? A guiding principles as a parent, as a nurturing mom. Could you share with us, the audience, of what are some principles that you hold through your family that you take care of your kids and nurture them? So you, I, you probably heard the saying that we give from a full cup and not from an empty cup. Um, and sometimes we hear that it goes past our head and we know like we've got to be full. And I think the reality is how do we be full every day? Um, and we believe that it comes from feeling ourselves first, self-care, um, acknowledging and being very aware of our emotions and how we are reacting um, and what's happening. So it first starts with self-awareness. And, and so that's why we have this thing called Heart of a Mother and Moms for Life. It's about seven weeks long, uh, but it's great. And, and the first three weeks, we actually spend time on self-awareness our journey, where we've come from, are we reacting the way our parents did? Uh, where are these emotions coming from? And we get into deeper self-awareness of why we react a certain way. And I think that's the very first key, where we recognize which are healthy, maybe which are not so healthy. So like, if I'm busy at work, and my kids come to me and say, oh, mommy, can I watch TV? And I'm in the middle of a meeting. I say, hey, just like, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone, right? Sometimes I won't realize it, but some days I will start to say, oh my gosh, what am I doing, right? I mean, they want to ask for something, my work comes first. Then what am I projecting? Projecting to them that my work comes first and then you're bothered, you know, like, please don't bug me. So it's that kind of realization. So like just now before I came to the room, you may have heard me telling my kid, hey, no, mommy's going to be in a recording. I'll be there with you in 45 minutes. You know, I'll prep them and, and you are not any less important. So I will start to rephrase my conversation and setting the stage where they don't feel like they are bothered. And, and so my oldest actually who's able to articulate would tell me like, uh, you're either in meetings or you're on a call or you're at work. 
you know and then he and then, then he even told me you always say you're coming up to be with us when we sleep but by the time you come up we're already sleeping you know things like that and so i would be very aware like i could get angry and say wow how can you say that to me you know i'm working if you i don't work you have money on the table blah 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 but i also realized that these are precious times right my kids want me uh, with them they like to unload the day like to tell me what happened those are precious bedtime moments they want me there i'm glad they still want me there maybe in a few years they also don't want me there or maybe in a decade or two they will even be in their own houses right so then i start to say okay Adriana, these are very valid points how do i process them these are precious times so some days i'll be like okay you know i just have to stop work now from eight to nine take that precious hour out and then i can continue at nine thirty. you know but sometimes you're on the drive and you want to finish your thing you just want to finish it at one go and then okay lah i make choices so i think i've learned to be a lot more aware of how I'm processing my day, what choices I make in my day, and which choices then I don't make, right? Like, so I just have to say no to some work meetings. I just cannot finish some work at that certain time. And I'll just have to tell people, sorry, tomorrow. And last time, I always had this, and I'm sure most moms also feel that, I had this thing where, you know, if you're a stay-at-home mom or your mompreneur or your mom, you want to be taken seriously, so if you go and tell people like it's my kid's bedtime, can I get back to you later? People get this impression like like wow, you are so mum, you're not serious about the work, you know. And so I try to prove like I'm on top of my work. And then after a while, I said no lah, that's not the way to prove it, you know. I can prove from nine to two when they're in school. I can prove through relationships. You can prove through the quality of the work. But it's not always about responding. To show, you know, so like those stay at home or work from home employees, they keep responding to every call to show like they're on top of their job. But I think there's a very, uh, and this is the anxiety that, that creeps in that's not very healthy. So I'm starting to make those kind of choices. I just have to be a lot more aware of the seconds that tick every day and the minutes that tick every day. And I keep telling myself tomorrow, ah, uh, but then like my kid is now PSLE already and like how did 12 years pass so fast? So because of his 12-year transition, I'm starting to also be more aware that my 5-year-old and 1-year-old are growing up very quickly. And I always tell people like my fourth kid is like my redemption process, you know, because my fourth and third kid were just like mother. And then my fourth was that revelation that, wow, this is the heart of a mother. I really want to mother the way a mother should be. And then, you know, 12 months have passed and I realized that I've also been juggling work and motherhood. And it's just it just keeps passing by. So I think, you know, a fundamental thing is just realizing and intentionally marking those hours and the things I choose, as well as conversations that that sow seeds into their adulthood that hopefully becomes that foundation of life choices that they make. Yeah. Wow. This is Gordon, uh, Adriana. So I love what you mentioned about being aware. Kind of relates that to directly relates to reactions, responding to the kids, right? So I personally also guilty as well, right? So a meeting in Zoom, and then my kid, hey, daddy, daddy, I'm to help me with this. I'm like, you know, don't disturb me. I'm in a meeting. Don't you see that? And then after that, I feel a bit guilty. Oh, why did I read it away? He's just trying to get my attention, right? Just like you know, a minute or so, right? So it's work more important than family. It's family more important than work, you know. So about prioritizing, about being aware of that and uh, responding. Uh, and being maybe giving a preempt, right? Like what you did, right? Hey, mom, uh, daddy, mommy will be with you in 10 minutes. 
give, give me some time, right? And that really works. Uh, and the question to you is that, was it a few years, it came a few years ago? Was it four years ago? 2016, when my third kid was a few months old. Okay, so six years wow, ago, right? already, oh, oh my gosh, man. yes. Turning six this year. <laughs> wow, time flies. And I think as parents, I really have to 100% agree with you that every second takes, right? My kid is already three and, and it's, it's so far, it just goes like that. Right, and then in three years time, you could be six, and then it could be twelve, and then it's gonna be the next decade is gonna have his own home, right, and all that, and they will move out. They will probably spend less time with us. So I think this time is precious. Talking about this precious time, how do you spend this precious time with your family? Do you go out to have picnics or do you visit uh, places every weekend? Share with yeah. us. So I have to confess that we try not to go out at all. I think because Brian and I have such busy lives, our default mode is if we can don't go out, can we just stay at home and do nothing? Do nothing is a luxury. We can just have a Saturday where we are doing nothing, sitting on a sofa, mindless, do nothing, stare at the window also can. Three hours of that is also good enough for us. Just three hours of doing nothing, everybody just sit in the room. That's a, lu- that's a luxury for us, seriously. So the last thing you want to do is go out. <laughs> wow. Because we have so many engagements. Wow. I mean, like, who wants to go out anymore? Yeah, so... So we, we actually enjoyed the pandemic for two years. I mean, less to go out. You cannot go out. Events are cancelled. We were so happy being at home. I mean, I'm sorry, but yeah, that's the truth. And and now that it's opening again, ah, like the calendar is starting to fill. Nights are being filled. Weekends are being filled. I mean, this weekend alone, we have like three, four engagements. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I actually enjoyed the quiet time of the last two years. So... Our family time is at night. We, I mean, at night we definitely have dinner together. We always try to have dinner together. Post dinner, we don't have much time because our kids sleep early at seven thirty, which is great. So we have the rest of our evening. So we catch up at dinner, and then I catch the kids before they sleep. That's about weekday family time. I mean, I also pick them up and I talk to them in the car in the afternoon. Uh, in the afternoons from 3 to 6, we'll kind of like hang around, but it's like me on my laptop and they're in the same room trying to do homework. Not intentional family time, but I would say the family being together in the same room. On Saturday and Sundays, we have a bit more time. So that's where we'll... So Brian's a lot more active. He'll bring them to the park. He'll bring them to all these activities. And then uh, it's the last thing I want to do, like go out there, get go outdoor, get myself more tired, physically tired. So I'll always opt out. But if I know like the whole family is going, okay, then then I'll join in. But a lot of it has to do with just being with the kids, playing a board game, you know, just going to the outdoors, talking. And then recently we bought, I mean, we have a Nintendo Wii and I'm actually a no digital devices parents. My kids don't have handphones and they don't have iPads. So this Nintendo Wii was a compromise on my end, but I figured... I cannot also keep my kids waku, right? Then everyone goes to school and talk about Mario. Then you don't know who is Mario. Um, and my 11-year-old told me that, you know, he was starting to feel that he was out of conversations. So I need to hear the heart of my child, right? And he said, you know, my friends are talking about computer games and I can't really join in the conversation. I, I don't know what that is. I also had to ban a little bit. Lah. I didn't want him to be an outcast. So, you know, I got Nintendo and then let them play games. So the whole family would play games on the weekend. And then we are very competitive, unfortunately. So my husband, me and my kids are extremely competitive. So it's a very good way to play computer because everybody wants to uh, So that's where I think we also discover our kids' nature and things like that. And who gets very upset when they lose. And who will say who cheat. I think it's a very nice way to get to know the, the members of the family. Yeah, and then um, my mom-in-law comes over, my dad, 
Like so we have family lunches, family dinners. That's very much how we spend our time. Just quiet at home. Nice. Yeah, I mean rest is something really important, right? As a family, just chill in the weekends and playing games together. I think we all have a different side of us when we are playing games, right? For sure, right? Even at workplace where everybody's playing games, you have a different side of everybody. Like, oh, you're like that. Oh, you're quite competitive and you're quite engaging unlike the quiet style that you see every day, right? Cool. Let's switch gears a little bit, right? Of maintaining slash growing the family with your partner, right? So balancing of the scope. How do you maintain a relationship, Brian? Or how do you balance the Tough one, tough one. Partner? Very tough one. When So before he went to father school, it was worse. Um, he used to be full-time uh, working for the armed forces. I hardly saw him. Left the house before the sun rose and he came back after the sun set. I mean, I was like, what, what much of a life is that with your partner? Because I literally see him three hours a day and he was in a job that he can't pick up handphone. Then I'm like, wow. And, and that was one of the reasons why I went to Hong Kong because I told him with that kind of a life, it's like I almost don't see you. And then I said, uh, maybe I go to Hong Kong and pursue my dream. And then when you, you know, are, are back in the house a lot more actively, I'll come back. Lah. So on those busy weeks, I'll go to Hong Kong. When you feel like you can come home by 7 or 8 and I get to see you, I'll come back to Singapore. Yeah, so I did that for the first two years. And then, of course, after father's, after he had this whole father revelation, he he switched his job. I think he also had a very huge revelation about fatherhood, fatherlessness, which you can interview him. And so that was where we started to talk a lot more to each other. So you always hear that stereotypical where the men don't talk much. He was that stereotypical husband. Uh, I have to ask questions, but he won't necessarily share. Uh, but it became a lot better. So he would share his day. He would tell me about his challenges. Just things on his heart, which most wives like to know. Then I said, oh, I was relating to him. And that was enough for me. So we would relate to each other, find out what we're doing. Sometimes I'll ask him, can you like enter my world and see what I do at work? Like, are you interested in my life? So he's interested in me, he says, but maybe not my entire work life. So he, I guess he also wants to unwind at the end of the day. So he's not going to like actively come to events and cocktails or all these vendor meetings. Lah. Okay, now I'll give him space for that. Um, and the same on his end. So I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, I co-founded Moms for Life two years ago. And now our lives intertwine at work. Because now like, we're sort of working together. So the relationship dynamic has changed in that sense, where he was first my spouse and we were relating about family, our personal dreams, you know, he was like my confidante. We were raising a family together. And then suddenly I stepped into his world of work. I see his team. I see his colleagues. I see their stakeholders. And like, I had a deeper appreciation for what my husband goes through because I suddenly saw the world through his eyes or what he goes through every day. Okay, la, so I start to have empathy for him. I also had admiration for what he does. I think I could see the finesse at what he does at work. He's really good at certain things. And, and I could see it because I stepped into his world. But that also meant that we would have work conversations at home. Then that's where we had to draw a line and say like, okay, let's not have this conversation at the dining table because then we'll have different points of view. We have very different leadership styles, you know, and 
where does that land then? Which part is the work conversation and which part is the spouse conversation? So we had to navigate that in the last two years. Thankfully, it was a pandemic. So the navigation was slow and steady rather than fast and furious, which I really appreciated. Um, so the dynamic has changed a little bit, but I guess that's the seasons of couplehood, right? And so we've had to step back and say, where do we draw boundaries of what we discuss and where we can disagree on and it doesn't affect us um, because we're running the movement as one, sort of. Um, and then some days I will get tired of talking about it. You know, I don't want to talk about that. Like we are two halves of a whole and sometimes I just want that in my personal life. I, I don't want to keep talking about the two halves as a movement. You just need to differentiate that. Lah. So that, that's what we navigated in the last two years. And of course, recently, I've had the conversation. I mean, he's really backed me up the last one year. He knew that having the fourth kid, we were prepared for the mental challenge, but nothing quite beats having the real fourth kid appear in your face, screaming at you, crying, kicking at you in the middle of the night. Refusing to sleep, nothing beats that. And then you would think you have gone through three kids, but you know the weight of an extra kid is never uh, quite imaginable until the kid comes. And you know when we had, and because of his very full load at work, and because of my very full load at work, having a full load at home just meant that we had a lot more conversations navigating. We got the brunt end of our couple time will obviously become the last lah. Then our kids would have to come first. The baby comes on top. And and basically, so in that sense, he would say, hey, what do we do now? Who who goes for this? Who stays at home? And I would have the same conversation. And, and through that, I realized, oh, there were certain things he holds dear, certain things that were non-negotiable. I could sense his frustration that he also couldn't be very on top of his work. And then neither could I. Like, somebody has to give something. Um, so the last one year, I think we had uh, deeper conversations as a couple, what we really wanted, what was not negotiable, what was our frustration that was we felt was encroaching into our own personal dreams, where we were going to concede at the table. We had a lot of that conversation and how we were going to manage our own dreams versus the family versus what people expected of us at work. I would say some conversations were tough, but I would also say um, it has brought me closer to understanding that at this decade, at this season of his life, um, he also has aspirations that I need to support. And I guess he also understands I have mine. But it was very good to have those conversations. I think those are very crucial for couples, right? Because otherwise you build resentment or frustration or disappointment or lost dreams um, or feeling like I'm always the spouse that takes the back seat. You know, uh, it's really, really tough. And I think it's not an easy conversation. And then there was the whole year of SG woman conversation and the white paper and how we support women. Uh, but I also recognize that while we support women, how do we support men? Because they also have their jobs. They are also trying to be active dads. They go through the guilt of, I'm not at home. But that yet, if I spend too much time with my kids, my colleagues are going to say, like, am I slacking at work? And so after that, I've come to realize that this conversation is mutual. You know, it, it's not a gender thing. It's mutual. And I hope that spouses can navigate that conversation heartfeltly without getting into a conflict, you know, it's just heartfelt. And how do we navigate that through? Um, how do we support each other? You know, 
vice versa, um, such that one feels supported for their own aspiration, but yet you are both supporting each other to build a family and your kids and your external family also feel supported. I think those are one of those conversations that are very crucial to navigate, if you ask me. And that is one of the foundations of the marriage. Well said on conversations uh, and communication uh, and alignment, right? I think a lot more need to come in in terms of talking to each other, right? And talking about not just random stuff, like not just, oh, that show is nice, this show is nice, you know, your work, but a lot more interpersonal, right, kind of conversations where we need to align some principles, what is the non-negotiables, for example, and, and, and I think all these are really important that I feel that a lot of couples, including myself, sometimes we have, we're so busy, sometimes we forget these things, right? We just talk about, oh, how's your, how's your day at work? Da, 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 da. These are good, but I think what's important is that center of the heart, right? Where we talk about these things where it's a long-term alignment, right? Uh, it could change, but it's still an alignment of principles, right? Alignment of direction. Um, as we wrap up, just, you know, final one or two questions, right? So how can daddies in this era be a better support for mummies? to parent a kid together. How? Okay. Um, I'm sure that'll be interesting. Please ask my husband. Um, he tells me he's trying his utmost best. He's already almost empty tank. And unfortunately, some days I will say, oh, do you have any more left to give us? Huh? Like, can you spend more time with us? Oh, then Tialat already. Because he will say like, I'm already giving everything. And I think that's the typical conversation. I know and I've learned um, from another couple, uh, they also run a marriage conversation. So I've learned that sometimes as wives, we, we talk first, right? And sometimes it comes out as an accusation. And it's one of the top three things that eat our husbands up. Um, the accusation like you know, comes straight at their head. And I learned during also that course that what husbands want are actually admiration and respect um, and that understanding and that appreciation for what they did. And then us doing that comes across the absolute wrong way. If only we recognize the difference. And of course, most wives always ask for love, appreciation, support. And I think that's that ongoing conversation. So it's funny that when you ask this question, what can they do? I'm sure my husband will say he's already doing his best. But then always as moms, we always feel like, oh, he can support me more, you know? And then how does that then become tangible? Because like for, for, for Brian, he already drops the kids in school, which is a lot. And that means I can get to have my beauty sleep when I wake up at night, which is great. I don't have to do the morning run. And then he sometimes will try to pick them up over lunch hour if he can. Then he also tells me he will try to come back early or he will navigate so that I can have some appointments that I can make and then he works from home. I don't know what else uh, to say to ask them to support more. I think if a spouse has already done their utmost best, I think that that should be enough. In my own, I think in my own experience from what wives say, say uh, most of the times, especially during the pandemic, it was a situation where the husbands were working a lot, the wives were working a lot. And somehow again, we end up with the household and the work on our plate. And some husbands try to come back and they, they try to help out on their household plate. But I think their household plate is quite a tough one because we are navigating the kids. We are navigating trying to look professional at work. We are trying to navigate our own burnout. 
I don't know. I would say, you know, just reach out to your wife and and ask her what she needs emotionally, fill her tank, um, give her rest time if she needs it, uh, step in with the kids if they can. I know some of my friends, they do a one day off for the mom. The mom gets a one day off and then the husband takes over the entire day just so that the wife gets a mental break. And I think it's that conversation because not everyone needs that. So like, I don't need the one day off, you know, I'd rather you just let me sleep. Or, or, or like during my maternity, when I just gave birth, I actually just wanted to work. And everybody told me to sleep, you know, and people even bet that I couldn't even rest because they said like, you're so workaholic. That was the word I got. And you know, actually after my first month going to my second month, I felt my emotions deep. And I told Brian, I have three kids. I would never get postnatal depression. But this time, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling that my spirit is dipping and I'm feeling very lost and I'm feeling very hopeless and I'm feeling very, I'm feeling very sad with myself. And I said, you know, what applies to some women may not apply to all. So that's why I think it's a conversation that people need to have themselves because when people kept telling me, rest lah, rest lah, your fourth kid, you know, you look after your body, your body really gave birth to four kids, rest, don't work. And everybody cut me off work, cut me off meetings for two months. But I felt very isolated and that isolation just, just brought my spirit down. And finally, Brian said, I think you better go back to work lah. Like just get some human interaction, do some Zoom, you know, just get connected with what people are doing. And within a week, I felt much better. And and I could identify it. it was that isolation. It wasn't about working. I didn't even have to touch a laptop. But it was just that isolation. So sometimes people feel well meaning, you know, they ask you to go and rest. But then you I end up feeling very isolated in a cave. So I think every woman and every mom is different. How husbands can support is really dependent on the wife. And so he said, Go and work, go and work. And I felt like, oh, like my life came back to me and, and I was happier. And then after like an hour Zoom, I felt like I went back to my baby and I felt like my tank was full rather than being like, oh man, how many? And I told Brian, how many more days do I have to do this? I just see myself nursing and nursing and this was just my timetable till when? Like indefinitely, you know? And, and so the answer to your question is I think every mom is different. I think it's a conversation between the husband and the wife. But she should be emotionally supported now. That's the underlying thing. Yes, yes, agree. And I think, uh, largely, I think daddies have been doing a lot. Th- they think a lot, but to the moms, might not be a lot, right? I think that's where the mismatch is. Uh, and what I always do and try to do is always ask, how can I help you? I think that is where it's more of understanding the problem and try to cater to that and also other things, right? Obviously, because if he needs some, if she needs something, if my wife needs something or needs some help on a particular part of her life, I can basically uh, cater to that first above anything else, right? Anything else might be. Maybe a lot, but it could be a bit, right? Only right, uh, to the wife. So yeah, so in the spirit of Mother's Day, so this episode is going out on Mother's Day weekend. There are moms out there, they are burnt out right, of taking care of the family, having two kids, three kids, four kids, five kids. What is your takeaway advice uh, for this month? I think first we have to stop. We have to just stop and say, I'm not feeling well. I'm not feeling up to it and I'm not feeling myself. And it's painful and it's hard. Mentally, we may want to give up. And I guess when we reach that point, sometimes we just need a handle. I would say you can, if you can't reach out to your family, you can reach out to Moms for Life. Drop us a note on our page. We do have mother groups that are there. We just be around in the area so that you have another mom to talk to. Sometimes it's just 
telling another mom this is what I'm going through and then you realize the mom is going through the same thing and then how do we navigate from here it's not so much like you need too much of that it's just that emotional outlet and I think we just have to take care of ourselves so even if the situation looks like it's overwhelming we just have to press pause for those with young infants of course it's not as easy you know I even considered looking at part-time nanny help it was that bad for me I, I went to look for part-time nanny help and then there's always that question can you trust the nanny but sometimes when it comes to that so I'm really really glad I always say that and I say that in Moms for Life there's a support group um, I'm glad I can call moms and I don't have to feel bad and I'll be like can I leave my kid at your house or can you just come over for a while or just bring your kids for a play date also can then I get to talk to you and chill and our kids play together and I think that support is very important and that's what we try to build at Moms for Life. They're called like mother groups. Lah. And we try to build them in the same constituency so we're nearby. You don't have to travel like 45 minutes to reach another mom. I think that's important. And if you don't have that, give us a call, you know, and, and just stop. If, if it's buying yourself an ice cream, taking a shower, buying a cake, reading a book, I think we just need to stop, get sanity, refill our tanks. And then continue again and ask ourselves what can we do better um, find other moms uh, find solutions sometimes we're very tired we cannot find a solution uh, but sometimes talking to other moms we realize how other moms navigate through and then we start to see that hey we can find a solution for ourselves right so i think just be kind to ourselves and and know when to stop and know and recognize what we need you know it was like when i had that whole postnatal thing I just needed human interaction. I didn't need rest. And sometimes it's just recognizing what you need and being very honest with yourself because only you know what you need. And if you're able to feed yourself that, um, you become healthier emotionally. And then when we're healthier emotionally, we can find answers. We feel less burnout and we feel like we can walk another day. But just know la, that, that, that we are moms. We're built to be moms. Sometimes we don't feel like we can do it. It feels like it's a tall order. Um, that's placed on us uh, I think it's one day at a time emotionally being kind to ourselves feeding ourselves being happy you know actually we don't have to be the best mom performance wise uh, we just have to be a happy mom we just have to be a loving mom we just have to be that and even as a spouse that fills the home that makes the home enough um, it doesn't matter if we forgot to clean the diaper. I mean, there are days where, you know, yesterday I wanted to pick up my kid and I realized my kid was at home. Like, unbelievable. I picked up my boys, I wanted to pick up my daughter. Then they said, hey, she's sick, you know, she's not even in school. I said, oh, yeah, 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 let's turn around. We'll go home. Things like that. Um, but they don't need us to tick all the boxes. They just need to know that we love them, we are there for them, we're happy. You know, there's that base of of warmth, I think that's enough for our family. So we owe it to ourselves to know how to keep ourselves happy, how we support our husbands to also be emotionally healthy. And from that marriage base, when both of us can navigate and we're happy, I think the home will also be a happy one. And chores, honestly, whether your clothes are not washed, toilets not yet clean, it's a little bit of a bother, but I think it wouldn't rock our world. Yeah, I would just say, keep ourselves happy and if you're at the wit's end, drop a line, reach out and celebrate being a mom. I think it's it's seasonal, it's step by step, it evolves um, and we grow as a person every day. Well said, well said, yeah. Um, I think really it's not about being a perfect mom, it's being a happy mom, right? That is a son 
shine uh, over the household, over the home, and being supportive uh, fathers as well, right? It's two way, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to add something. Yes, I also please. learned that when a mom is happy, and when a child is happy, they have hope. And in this day and age, hope is very important for a child. You know, they have mental challenges. Some have tendencies where they feel like they don't matter mm. and they rather just end off their life in the world. Hope is very, very important. And it comes from that warmth. It comes from that confidence that my parents love me. It comes from knowing that there's something to look forward for to tomorrow. Mm. And I forgot to tell you that there are three questions I ask my kid every night. What was the best thing? that happened to them today? Mm-hmm. What's the worst thing that happened to them today? I asked them the worst so that I can find out whether they had hurt and pain. Mm. You know, and that's a third question that I was taught to ask and what is their hope for tomorrow? Mm. Because what do they look forward to is the, the words that I use. I don't ask them hope because it's quite a big, and, quite a big word. Mm. I ask them, what are you looking forward to tomorrow or next week or next weekend? And they'll tell me, oh, I'm looking forward to see grandma or I'm looking forward to my friend's birthday party. But that actually shows you whether there's a hope for tomorrow. And really that warmth, that nurturing, uh, to me is just so important uh, for that hope that needs, I mean that they need in their spirit. Lah. Wow, this is so applicable advice, right? So I'm going to also ask these three questions every night. I think it's so good, right? Yes, that's how it goes. Yes, yes, for sure. I think this is great. I've been, uh, you know, every night we talk about random stuff, but this is really a good way to open up, right? To let the kids open up, to share with the parents as well how, how you know, what um, what's the best uh, that happened was as well as what do they look forward to in life uh, tomorrow or next week or the weekends. Cool, and it's a wrap, Adriana. Thank you for this heartfelt conversation uh, and this precious advice uh, to moms out there uh, and thank you for your time working out time uh, for this episode thank you Adriana thank you Eric thanks for having me thank you